Welcome to the 23rd meeting of Junto Club. On this episode, we talk a little bit about Benjamin Franklin's perspective on pride and the Free Britney movement. Our main topic is the savior of Singapore, Lee Kuan Yew, and his principles of leadership. For any questions, comments, or if you'd like to rant on something important to you, email juntoclubpodcast at gmail.com. This is Junto Club. All right, welcome to the 23rd meeting of the Junto Club, where we were inspired by the original Junto Club founded by Benjamin Franklin around, around 300 years ago to discuss topics including science, philosophy, uh, politics, business, anything, any topic that interests us to better ourselves. So in the, the topic for this week is Lee Kuan Yew. He was the he was the former prime minister of the Singapore, and he basically built Singapore from scratch. So, so yeah, just want to delve into like because he he's also one of the most respected world leader. Like even a lot of like other countries like China, U.S. tried to seek him out, saw him out for advice and stuff like that. So anyway, so he built Singapore from the third world country to a first world like, in almost just like thirty years. So. So anyway, so that's why I want to see what lessons we can learn from him today based on like economic development, also like government as well. So anyway, so as usual, before we get into that, we're going to start with some quote from Benjamin Franklin. And today, the quote, actually, we have three quotes today. So the first one, but they're all related. So that's why I put them all together. And then the first quote is, quote, the proud hate pride in others end quote what do you think any thoughts pride is a uh one of the seven deadly sins so pride what oh really yeah oh pride cometh before the fall come on i forgot you are catholic after all that's right so no but yeah, so, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's just, well, I think this one is just saying, like, often when you have, like, when you have pride, like, it's, it's pride is more about, like, almost looking down on others. So when others are, like, when you recognize pride in others, like, they're looking down on you, or, like, it's, or, like, mm-hmm. it's often very natural to dislike them, like, where I guess if you're just, like, not prideful, but just, like, taking care of what you're doing and not concerned about others, then you may not even, like, it may not, like, affect you the same way or you may not see it the same way. Mm. I feel like pride doesn't have to have that negative connotation, but it definitely can, right? Mm. There definitely can be pride that is, kind of comes from a superiority complex or an ego. Mm -hmm. And then if that's the case, then, you know, if someone else is also proud, right? Like, you if you both think you're better than the other person, right? They're gonna you're gonna have conflict. Hmm. So, what's the difference between proud and pride? Isn't there any difference? Proud is someone is like an adjective. Pride is a noun. So, like someone right. can be proud, and that means they have pride. I think otherwise, it's I don't know. Okay. There might be some subtle connotations between the two, but I think they're basically the same. Okay. Okay. So, 
so someone who's proud when they see the same thing in others may became like okay you are almost like equivalent or maybe superior to me so i'm hating you right because uh is that is that is that basically what it means yeah i mean i feel like it has to be using it like in the negative way here just because yeah. like i mean yeah just because like it I think you can, like, you can have pride, like, you know, like, a parent is proud of their kids or something. Like, that doesn't necessarily, like, have a negative connotation. Like, that's mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, that's nice or whatever. But um, I feel like in order for you to, like, hate other people because they're proud, I feel like that's almost assumes, like, you looking down on it. Like, you viewing yourself as above others. So if you view the other person as having pride then they you must be thinking they're looking down on you or something like that. Mm, I see. Yeah, and that's what you're saying. Okay, so let's let's go to the second quote in a similar vein about pride as well. So second quote is, quote, pride dines on vanity, sups on contempt, end quote. Does that make sense to you? And what does it mean? I think what it's trying to say is pride primarily comes from vanity or that's like the main thing Mm. and then secondarily contempt towards others which Mm. makes sense right okay so the combination of like being you know vanity thinking of yourself is really good and then also looking down on others Mm. a little bit too creates Mm. a lot of pride Mm. right no i mean i guess that's i mean that's why like pride is obviously like more of like a secondary emotion so it's sort of like you know, like emotions related to like comparing yourself to others or your you relative to like a larger society. So, all right, hold on, Mike. You can't just drop that. Yeah. You need to explain primary and secondary emotions because I don't even remember if I, I'm not sure if I remember. And you told me once and no one knows what that means. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, no. So, like, I mean, so second, so primary emotions are your anger, sadness, like, you know, sort of like your more basic emotions that you like recognize and like the, like more reptilian part of our brain, you know, like I'm afraid, so I'm going to run. Like they're more immediately triggered. Like secondary emotions are like the more human emotions. So like, I mean, so like the shit, mm. the reason I talked about it with you was because like shame is a secondary emotion. So shame is experienced because you view yourself as like not fitting in like mm. with your social group. So mm. pri- pride would be like viewing is another type of emotion where you view yourself relative to others. So, mm. and, and, and this particular, so pride is you view- viewing yourself as, you know, better in a certain respect, like mm. than those around you. Gotcha. So, so you're saying long- the first, 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 first emotion or the primary or oh, primary emotion is about, it's more about a like survival, right? Yeah, Same exactly. Kind of yeah, like anger, second, sadness. Yeah. yeah, and then secondary is more related to like social with others. Where a primary is more like individual emotions, and then and then secondary is more about relation relating to others, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So secondary is always about social stuff. It's not just often. That I, I don't remember the ones I'm thinking of. I mean, I focused on sort of pride and shame, but which yeah. are more like moral secondary emotions, but mm. like, you know, but okay. I, I, there could be exceptions, but I think, right. yeah. Different question. You call these human emotions, but can't monkeys feel secondary emotions? Because I've definitely seen some videos of some envious monkeys. You know the scene where one gets the cucumber and he's happy, and the other gets the grape, and then he gets really pissed off when he sees the other monkey get the grape. 
you know what I'm mean, talking about, right? I, yeah. I, I guess. I guess. I mean, I, it depends. I don't think we know enough about monkeys, like, theory of mind. Like, I don't know that we know if, like, how strong their, like, identity is and, like, how strong their, like, social, like, communication and social, like, cognition abilities You are. also... You also draw not a big term here, right? theory of mind. What is theory of mind? <laughs> There's <God>. so many. <laughs> so it's just like a theory of mind is like basically your goal. What is it? Emotions, goals, and expectations or so. There's like three different things. And... Okay, okay. We'll go into that next time. Yeah, right, we, yeah. Can. So, we can't get too far. Can, off track. Right, Back to right. Benjamin Franklin and his pride. Yeah, so pride dines on vanity. So vanity is kind of recognition from kind of recognition from others right like fame kind of thing right so mm -hmm. right is that right say that again <laughs> like vanity basically is like recognition from others right like fame stuff like that i i, I mean I, I guess to a certain extent it would be i mean i guess vanity is also just like you have very like, like you have a particular like view of like, you know, you want to be, like, attractive or better dressed or, like, you have, a, like, certain, like, you mm. have certain, like, particular things that you associate with status that aren't necessarily, like, intimately related. Substantial. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Enough of that. Let's move on to the last quote regarding pride. So, quote, uh, pride breakfasted with plenty, dined with poverty. Sup with infamy. End quote. Does that make sense to you guys? Hang on. So pride breakfasted with plenty, dined with poverty, supped with infamy. So I guess no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a harder one. But um hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess what's throwing me is, I mean, so all of these are meals. <laughs> no, me. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. fees, Wait. I guess, the pride fees on these three, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, like, right. Breakfast tea with plenty. So, it's not you have a lot of stuff. Dying with poverty. Poverty is kind of opposite from plenty, right? And a sub yeah. with infamy. So, yeah, right. I'm not sure because you're right. Like it's it's like it's I don't know. It's saying it's doing similar things with very different all right, you know, all right. words, and I don't know what the I'm all not right. sure what the logic he's trying to use here. Well, I mean, I think I like shoes. So when I said these are all meals, he's like, so pride feeds on all of them. So I guess my shot in the dark might be like, so you're prideful if you have a lot, like mm. just the note, like the notion of having a lot can make you prideful. Mm -hmm. But, and like, then, um, so that feeds your pride, but also you, in order for, like for you having a lot, to mean something others need to have like less so i guess mm. like the, the poverty can feed your pride in the sense of like you know oh like you know i'm above yeah. them because i'm not impoverished mm. and then 
it feeds on infamy, I guess, and it just in the sense of like infamy is often associated with like a, sort of a negative fame, hmm. but it's sort of like a, uh, but I guess it's, it's sort of like infamy is like other, like you could uh, maybe others being like envious of you or like wanting what you have. Hmm. Or, or, or maybe other people just being infamous. Maybe they did something that is like, I don't know, shamed by other like society. And then you, you feel like you did, you are a good person. You did really good. So you're a great person or something like that. I don't know. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess I could see those three things factoring into that like makes a sense. prideful Because uh, I think, oh, and then, then remind me, like, if, if we see like celebrity like doing stupid things in the news, we feel, at least I feel better about myself, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Was that a was that a was that an attempt at a transition to the mini topic I wrote in randomly like ten minutes ago? Oh really? Oh no, no, actually no. It just came to me because uh, let's okay, let's go to your mini topic then. Well, no, no. I just like what was it? Two days ago was or maybe even yesterday was like Free Britney Day. Yeah. So. uh you know, so I, uh, yeah. like, I felt like, I mean, I don't even necessarily know that much about her, you know, like conservatorship or whatever it's called, like her yeah. father, like being in charge of like her assets and things like that. Mm. I guess it was just more curious to get like, maybe just briefly bring up like, or think about like, I, I don't know, like a powerful person or a person who's like, um, like garnered like you know a hundred million dollars or whatever she's made you know over the course of her career i mean probably is several hundred million but it's just like someone who has that i guess that um wealth yeah that much wealth and influence etc and like you know i mean there's always the notion of like companies managing the image of these stars and all that stuff but i guess like at like at what point does a person's life and i guess this could be like what's, in the, what, what's conservatorship anyway so i think essentially like he controls her assets and like mm. you know like she like so essentially like she can like he manages her every move it seems mm. like like you know he's in charge like she doesn't have like I think it's paid into like like when she gets paid, you know, like she does a residency yeah. somewhere and gets paid like millions of dollars. Is like, it? Is it because she has like like the famous like breakdown, like something like mental breakdown, like like ten more than ten years ago? Is that right? Is that well, happened? that's yeah. So it's been oh. going on like thirteen or like twelve or thirteen years. So I guess that's sort of what I was thinking of. Like I mean, one like is that like how do you assess like if you know, if a person's like mentally fit, like if they're able to earn like $300 million or whatever, <laughs> like how do you say like that they shouldn't be in control of their own lives? I mean, we could take this another level and be like, oh, you know, like, you know, every pop star is managed, you know, like the Beatles, you know, they, you know, live very different private lives than they did, you know, like than the, like how they were packaged to the public. I mean, but that's sort of a different thing, I guess, mm -hmm. like, at what point is like a someone who's capable of like being very successful in their like in their own right and you know when do they not, not even have a choice about like their private life like when do you like mm. at what point does like do you intervene and essentially be like this business or this like this business which is an individual is like like 
should be managed like uh, yeah should be managed by their family like their family yeah. sort of owns them or something it depends like, right i think it depends on like maybe in a psychological evaluation because yeah, i think like I think family has the right to put you into a mental institution right now, right? Currently in the U.S., if they feel like, oh, you are uh, crazy or something, have psychology issues, that you may be harming others and stuff, and they, they can just call other people to come in and put you into a mental institution, right? Mm-hmm. So similarly, in this case, I guess, if in the psychology, psychology like doctor or something that can evaluate you, right? So, Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, like... Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess at what point, because it's like, if I, I feel like if I, you know, tried to do like, you know, like tried to do that to a family member, there's gonna mm-hmm. like, yes, I believe you're right, you can do sort of like the 72 hour hold, you know, they're gonna hurt themselves, they're gonna hurt someone, whatever. But I mean, I feel like, uh, I don't know how, like, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know if unless there really is something going on. And mm-hmm. based on this movement that's been going on for years, like I, I yeah. am honestly not sure if there is or isn't. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I don't know if my family members, like if there isn't anything like fundamentally wrong, would be there for like over a decade, right? I mean, I yeah. feel like they would just yeah. So. I would say I would say I would be more suspicious if uh he's her dad is like making money from this, or maybe I'm not sure. Conservancy does he draw fees from it or anything? If I think I think he can man it. Like he's in charge of the money. I think uh, he is in charge of the money. Okay, know. okay. I guess my question for you is that: uh, Are you in the free Britney movement or what? Or no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I just heard about it, and I'm. I guess I'm just interested. Like you know, it's sort of just uh, an interesting. You know, this is like a you know a woman who became famous when she was like, you yeah. know, she was a sixteen, and you know, like she made like insane amounts of money, and then mm. like within. I mean, I'm trying to think if it's 13 years, probably by the time she was in like her mid twenties, like she essentially like, just like sort of just dropped off the, like didn't drop off the map, like continued making music, continued making tons of money. But like, you know, allegedly, you know, according to what she said, like she said in the, uh, you know, like she had a court hearing a few days ago, and this is the first time she's been able to publicly speak about it. And she's like, mm. like my dad essentially didn't let me do anything. Like he didn't let mm. me like have relationships, have kids. Like, like I mean, she has children from before this, but like she never was able to like, you know, essentially since this started, like he's controlled like every aspect of her life and money. So, mm. okay, so, yeah. Mm. So it's it's interesting, like how a person can be like unstable like to the point where they can't control basic things about their Uh, life but yeah they can they could be unstable to that point but like have a residency in las vegas for multiple years like during the same period so yeah especially in america i guess it's like freedom right individual freedom right so that's why i'm saying like i think it's like if you try to have someone commit in your family you need very hard evidence i think that they're going to be a danger to themselves or others or they will very quickly be released because they're adults and they yeah have that freedom but in this particular case it doesn't seem like that i don't yeah it doesn't seem like it was the case so it was it was an interesting story but yeah i mean basically i uh it was big news this week so yeah so. Matt, you had no opinion? Uh, I think we should free Britney. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any more than what was just said about it. So 
it seems, you know, at the surface glance, it seems ridiculous. I mm. assume it probably is still ridiculous. There must yeah. have been some, like the court must have had some, you would hope the courts originally had at least some reasonable logic for yeah. starting it, but you never know. Maybe it's just a gross miscarriage of justice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming the court probably did the job, right? Because, you know, Brimley, is, she's very famous. I mean, she's still pretty famous, right? And then I don't think the court, the judge, would be would, would done anything that is like stupid or just like negligence, right? So I think I think the judge probably has reasons, and he's back in the day. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, so that that's about it on that topic. Another thing that I saw recent that or another mini topic that sort of has come up and has been. Uh, newsworthy over the last like 48 hours was the uh, condo collapse in Miami. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's uh, like, I, I guess. I'll knock on is a mini topic. It's a huge topic. <laughs> well, yeah. yes. I mean, well, I mean, yes, it's a huge topic, but I guess it's more like, I mean, it's more just uh, like, I don't know that there's that much to say about it other than like, you know, is this an example yeah. of like, you know, like where more regulation, more oversight would have, you know, like, I guess, how do you handle a situation like this? You know, or is this an example of like capitalism failing, you know, because mm. this like, I mean, it wasn't in like the nineties or something. This building began to like show signs of like, there's a sinkhole here or something. Hmm. What's what I think is interesting is some people are speculating that this might be like, not the, only one right whether it's like a one-off thing or Mm -hmm. whether there was like a lot of cheap housing made in or like a lot of cheap building in florida when it was like booming Mm -hmm. you know a while ago and it's an area where the land isn't as stable right so like the land was sinking and the foundation was sinking right and you know some people are at least speculating that there could be a lot of other buildings that have a similar fate but that could just be you know fear-mongering online so Mm -hmm. right but you know, if a second one goes down in Florida, suddenly uh, housing prices in Florida get a lot cheaper. <laughs> no, that is very fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of. Re- I guess the most strangest thing is like it just like collapsed like, in like, a few seconds, right? And there's no warning sign or anything, right? Also, mm-hmm. this doesn't seem like there's anything of earthquake or anything to disturb you, right? So, mm-hmm. well, they've had some paint. reports come out of like. Like they knew the foundation was sinking, but apparently some engineers said that shouldn't have been like the main cause. Like it may have contributed, but mm. there's some, some woman had like sued for water damage because her walls had like cracked mm. like or bent or something and like cracked a pipe, mm. you know? So like there was at least some stuff, but it'll still be a little while before we, if we, before we learn, you know, what was like the underlying cause. Right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's obviously a sad story, but, you know, basically it's, uh, you know, I guess I was just thinking about, like, it's just such a bizarre thing to happen in 2021, you know, where mm. it's like, like, you've sort of, like, I mean, there are a lot of, like, buildings are designed to withstand, like, pretty... Hurricane, like, right? Yeah, it's, well, yeah. It's not, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's just randomly just falls apart. That's, you know, pretty crazy. So. Random or controlled demolition by the government. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> well, that's why I said, I don't, like, I didn't know if it had gone through because I was interrupting you, but I said thermite paint. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I'm sure, you know, it'll only be a matter of time before there are conspiracies, but. Yeah. Mm. No, it's. 
Yeah, what she thought was water damage was, yes, a <laughs> controlled explosive. <laughs> mm. So, no, it's, uh, but it's wild. So, mm. Yeah, so. it's pretty wild. Yeah. So. All right. Um, any thoughts, any more thoughts on that? No, you can, those were my two many, many topics. So. Okay. All, All right. right. We can move on to Singapore and how yeah. they make buildings that don't collapse. That's right. Exactly. Did you, well, what do you guys? Okay, uh, let's go for it. And do you have what do you, what do you guys know about Singapore? There's that hotel with the boat, and uh, and no, there's lots of startups, and uh, uh-huh. it's and, a city on yeah, an okay. island. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's. I think it's what forty forty minutes across or so. Like you can drive the like essentially like up and down the country or side to side in like forty five minutes or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's the yeah. size of New York City. Right, like like most Americans, I don't think we know much about Singapore, so this is good. <laughs> yeah, well, they have. I know they have very strict laws. So, like, if you spit gum out, you can be arrested or like heavily fined. That's and... a good law. <laughs> yeah. Not not just spitting your guns out. Gum gums out is chewing gums. You cannot even chew gums in Singapore. Oh, you can't chew gums too far. That's going yeah. too far. People can be responsible, but we should have, you know, we should enforce heavily on people who would just spit them out on the sidewalk. Because I feel like that acknowledges if you do that, you're a psychopath who doesn't care about society and should probably just be locked away. Yeah. So and actually, the, I think the, the prison term is two years in prison if you do that. <laughs> Not long enough, in my opinion. <laughs> Also, yeah, I think that's another law. Like, I think that's, I think that's, that's most, that is the most crazy, craziest one that like, people I know about. Like, oh, you can't chew gun, you cannot sell guns in Singapore either. And then the other one is that you cannot walk around in your own house naked. <laughs> so what do you do? Like, you have to, like, if you take a shower, you need to, like, just, like, <laughs> dress you, you need, in the shower. Does, you need to make sure your curtain is not open, basically. And that's what yeah. I'm guessing it. that I'm guessing it's not an issue, you know, as long as you're you're not standing at your window. Yeah. Uh, like who's like cops aren't going to be like checking in your house randomly to see if you're naked or not, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's so, see th- these are all interesting because in Singapore, I'm almost certain like prostitution is fully legal. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I'm almost certain it is because there's a building, like a comedian I listen to talks about Singapore and one particular brothel. Like, so it's, so again, it's regulated, like it's government oh, regulated. I see. So, but I'm almost sure. So it's interesting that the, that nudity thing is interesting. <laughs> Prostitution in Singapore is not itself illegal, but some related activities are criminalized, including public solicitation. Yes. So, mm. so you can't like so you or can't maintaining have... a brothel. So, oh, you say but... it's not illegal. It's not illegal. It's not illegal. So you, it is okay. legal. It's just limited in some ways. Yeah, I see. They did not legalize it, but they did not ban it either. They mm-hmm. did not make it criminal. They did not make it a crime, basically. Right. That's good. Okay. All right. So let's put prostitution aside. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you guys know about the Lee Kuan Yew? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. I, I okay. Know you literally copy and paste his name from your document to the episode today. So. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so he, oh, as I say earlier, he's the founding father of Singapore. He basically was the prime minister minister for like since like nineteen sixties to nineteen nineties or something, right? To 
30 years, right? And then he just like, so the first time, so the reason I want to talk about him because he's, uh, we guys, I think, talk about Charlie Munger before, right? And then Charlie Munger, he's, he's, he's the one that actually brought him up. Now he talked about Singapore when he's like the annual meeting, Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. He actually brought Singapore and also the leadership of uh, Lee Kuan Yew. And then he actually is a admirer of Lee Kuan Yew, like uh, what he's done in Singapore. The, like go from like very, like all, one of the poorest countries in the, in the world to one of the richest. Right now, actually like uh, GP, GDP per capita is like number three in the world, right? Above like United States as well, right? So, and so, and then also, so how so how did he do in like thirty years, right? Stuff like that. And also, he's also admired admired by a lot of like startup CEOs in the like in the Silicon Valley. So they because he like to experiment with stuff instead of like conform to any kind of ideology, right? He basically like to experiment, like take whatever works, right? So yeah. Anyway, so I so another reason I think he almost like almost like the Benjamin Franklin of Asia, right? So to to me, because a lot a lot of people say, oh, he's a very wise person as well, a lot of wisdom. Of course, there's some criticism of him as well, but I don't think we're gonna dive too deep into that a little bit. But anyway, so yeah, so I think I want to frame the conversation. So do you, so yeah, so now let's go to if you do you have guys any questions for me uh for for him about him. Okay, so wait, when did you first become prime minister? Around, I think, 1959 or 1960s, around that time. Well, I was going to say, how old was he and what had he done before that? Oh, uh, he was, uh, so he was a lawyer, right? He he was educated in, so, okay, a little bit history of Singapore, right? Singapore was, like, occupied by, he was, originally, Singapore was a British colony, right? And then he was, uh, and then he got occupied by Japan. Right. Mm. So at that time, he actually almost got killed by Japanese soldiers because, you know, he was he was walking on the street and a Japanese soldier was like trying to, you know, run people up, stuff like that. And then so, yeah, so he went through that time. And then, of course, the Japanese got retreated later. Right. And then so Singapore became independent, basically. Right. So once he became independent, he tried to get into politics because he was a lawyer before that. You know, he was educated in Britain as well as a lawyer. So. So when when he was there, now he 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 get into politics, yeah. So that's how he. And then when when Singapore got independent, he became a prime minister, basically, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. So give us your your summary of his work and ideas. What do you What do you want to know? What do you want to know? Well, I guess what did he do differently than predecessors okay. that like sort of. Like what made it like what made him the I guess impetus as opposed to just like potential other factors in the mm. yeah you know, revolution. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. We're gonna go into that as well. So, Anything you wrong, you Matt? Any questions? I would like just a couple. Yeah. I mean, you know, what was you said Singapore was poor, but like what was you know, and it was just occupied by Japan. What you know shortly before he came in but like what was you know the i guess it's systems level how how was this government and economy run before he came in and you know how did he change it mm. or did he just like you know did he just run things well or did he do like fundamental shifts to how like the government worked yeah 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 so that's good yeah that's good that's good so i mean i think let's talk about before he was 
it was British colony, and then it became uh, and then occupied Japan. So the economy was really bad, right? Also, it was like fractionized, like different group of people. It's, it's very multiracial. It's like Indians, is Chinese population, also Malaysian, because it's uh, so. These are three major group of people that occupy uh, Singapore, and also. I'm not sure in the specific government structure, but it was like communist at that time, right? It's really close to China. So communists are trying to come in, take over the control. So you have different parties, right? Try to, it has its own like democratic party and the other one, like communists try to like come in, try to take control, try to, uh, try to, you know, it caused, communists cause, cause, cause a lot of riots, riots among people. Because that's what they want to do, right? They want to cause like chaos so they communists can take over, basically. And then there's a lot of violence as well between like multiracial stuff. Like Muslims, like Malaysians are pretty much like Muslim dominated population. And of course, the the white the whites like from the Europeans, right? They are very much Catholic. And then Chinese are Buddhism. And the Indians, are, of course, are a lot of like Hindu, of course. So there's a lot of like racial tensions as well. So what he did, I guess, uh, for me, I want to go in like, how he changed, like, go from, like, so at that time, the situation very bad, that's all violence, so the economy was, like, going down the drain, stuff like that. Right. So, uh, so to study like, how he go from that to, like, 1990, it became like, almost my like, first world country. Uh, I guess, uh, instead of talking about, like, what kind of policies he invoked, right, because uh, like, he did. Because there's so many stuff, right? It's very hard to distill what's going on. So I want to focus on actually like, to draw on what to focus on one thing is like what are the principles that he actually believes in. Because all these policies he enacted in the future actually is drawn on his beliefs and his principles, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, in economic and government stuff, right? Like, cause also also policies you can replicate, right? A lot of people like I guess. Uh, any government try to adopt, okay, this policy works in this country, maybe we should adopt that, but you cannot do that, right? Because different population, different country, you cannot just do the same policy. So I think the principles are the one that people should replicate instead of policies. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so, in, yeah. So in terms of uh, uh, policy in, principles, I want to go in, like, the first one is, not, yeah, basically just like two, two or three principles. And the first one is uh, regarding economics, right? So, Singapore is just uh, almost the size of uh, size of New York City. Uh, so right now, it's like six million people. So, and in nineteen sixties, it's probably only like three million people. And it has no natural resources, so it cannot like using like, oil or anything to to do it to basically do its economy. Right? There's no not a lot of talent as well. Right? So there's not not much productivity going on. Right? So. So one thing that I think the fundamental belief that he recognized at the beginning is that Singapore has nothing, no natural resource. The only thing, only resource it has is is people, right? Is human capital is the advantage that he can leverage, right? So mm-hmm. to do that, he basically, uh, so to leverage that, he basically focused on one couple of things. So he, so to basically, uh, so he invested heavily, so he had a lot of power, invest heavily in, in his education of his people, right? Because if your your people are more educated, more skilled, you can increase is the people's productivity, right? Instead of like going to like uh, sweatshops, you know, labor, right? Just relying on labor. If you can 
focus on your skill, like labor, you have basically, basically you can triple, quadruple your productivity, right? So investing on that. And then the other thing is that he, so based on that, so instead of, so, so that is one thing. Then the other thing he did is that instead of, uh, so I guess tr- attracting investment. So then, then he focused on attracting industries that are going to use their high demand industry that need high skill laborers, basically. Right. So that's what he did. He, he increased that. Like, he, he did a lot of tax stuff, incentives, tariffs, laws, like for like to attract foreign laborers, foreign investment to come in. So he, he did not focus on like a lot. Like, I guess in China, they focus on a lot. Like, oh, you can come here. We can do garment, like clothing stuff, right? And then factories, right? But he did not focus on that, right? He focused on a high skill, like electronics um, and the beginning, electronics or some kind of machinery, right? Tools and stuff like that. So, and then also finance. I think finance in Singapore is one of the, I mean, Singapore is one of financial hubs in the world, right? So I think that's why he's focused on those those things that doesn't, you can basically multiply your labor, right? Yeah. Anyway, does Nels make sense to you? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, if you, I guess, specialize in things that are hard, I mean, that'll give you an advantage over, you know, sort of more just like, I mean, especially because you say like the only resource they had is people, but yeah, I mean, they have fewer people than a lot of places. So I guess it's really the research, like, so if, so it's not the magnitude of the people. It's like, you know, it's the quality the, of the, the people, the yeah. quality of the people. Yeah. 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 Not a number of people. So he, since he's limited, right. So he need to dramatically increase the quality of the people. So all the policies he did is based on that fundamental principle or fundamental belief. That human capital is the most precious resource. Right? He was ahead of his time. I mean, in the modern yeah. economy, yeah, like skilled labor is the most important, hard to get, you know, it's the key yeah. thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, honestly, like extracting raw resources or whatever is can get your country some money, but that's not, doesn't really make countries like overwhelmingly rich or anything. So mm-hmm. he was ahead of his time. Yeah. Education's an investment that pays off. Yeah, and that also reminds me of the book we talk about, like, Why Nations Fail, right? Mm-hmm. You talk about, like, inclusive institutions, right? Mm-hmm. So he's trying to include everybody, right? Yeah, educating people gets gives them the power to, like, you know, interact with the economy as they want, as they see fit, do more, yeah. you know, be a bigger part of it rather than being, like, limited to, you know, low-skill, low-wage jobs, just sort of, you know, on the margins, yeah, I think one thing I found interesting also like regarding education is I think Singapore like spend like twenty percent of its like budget like on education. So that's quite a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so yeah, a few things he also did like so he so he, he also like send people and like, students overseas, right, to educate in the US or stuff. And like right now like a lot of people like and this, I, I took some class with my single people, my student from Singapore in my classes. And then they were talking about, oh, I, I asked them, oh, what are you going to do? And they said, oh, I'm going to go back to Singapore and then to work in this company for like another four years or something like that. So basically, I think the government did that he, they incentivize students to come back by like, uh, okay, say, okay, I'm going to send you to the US to study, but we're going to pay for it. But you, you need to, 
I promise you're gonna come back and work in this company for like four years or something like that. So just so enough then, to get him established and to kind yeah. of bring that knowledge home. No, that's really smart. Yeah, yeah. So then that's one way he tried to incentivize students to come back because these are the capital. And they don't want them to stay outside in the U.S. in Singapore, right? So. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's very natural if students, you know, go to a country and they like it, they might just want to like go work and live there, right? Yeah. But yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like what a, is a Korea that require like you know requires some like years of military service, South Korea, and mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of students will like go abroad to study, but be brought back for that. So. Yeah, and then that's a little bit different. That's I don't think that incentivized the Korean to go back. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think well, it. Well, it's not necessarily. It forces them to go yeah, back. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it's it's a it's stronger than incentive, yes. And it's almost like this, almost like try to force them not to come back. Descent, desensitize, I guess. Yeah. Desensitize. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but in a way, I mean. I don't know, like, in a way, it's similar, because, like, I mean, Singapore is saying, like, if you don't come back, you have to pay for your own college, right? I'm so- not sure, I'm not sure, but anyway, I think the, the whole point is that they, they understand human capital is the most precious resource, so they they will do a lot of policies to bring this student, to encourage this student to come back to Singapore, and that was the main point. Right, right sure, sure. So, so these policies, they draw based all draw on this fundamental principle of human capital, right? Mm. And then the, and then regarding that, the other thing is uh, he also recognized that leadership is really important for a country like that when they were developing. So another thing is like, he also recognized that he, I think he, he's like, there's nothing more important than finding good people to serve in government, right? So that's one thing he's, he's recognized as well. So he actually tied like the government, like, officials pay like government service workers they tie they tie their pay to like private sector so they have a formula like they take these six most well-paid people in singapore and private sector and then calculate it such that the pay of the government official is actually tied to that right so so that way is a one way to incentivize like very good smart young people to get into the government right instead of going to private sector right mm. Mm, so, so that's another policy yeah well that so. is uh yeah so i mean i guess that uh i mean there are objections like like for example in the u.s like you know where it's like congress will raise their salary right like raise yeah. their own salary and it's often like a big outcry like you work for us and yet you earn you know like double you know or triple or quadruple whatever it is at this point like the median income in the country or in the area Mm -hmm. you work for you know quote unquote Mm -hmm. so i guess uh i guess i'm of two minds about that like yeah it's like i very much like when i was growing up i'm like oh it would be really cool to work for nasa and then i'm like oh but nasa is like a government agency and pay you know so their employees aren't shit compared to like you know like so yeah. yeah So you cannot, I guess, uh, yeah, I think you are right, but you cannot draw a lesson to America because America, and the reason he done that because he recognized that actually you only have 3 million people, right? The small pool of percentage of people going to government is small already. Even the talent draw from 3 million people is tiny already, right? You have to, that's why you have to have to, you have to incentivize them to go into government. Well, in the US, even though now you have so much people, so much people, so many people, right? 
a small tiny amount of people actually gonna is gonna draw it's not gonna be even though a lot of people are not going to government you still have enough talent from the from the population to go into government anyway right from because you have so much population to draw from right mm-hmm. so that's the, that's the main difference between singapore and and u.s yeah yeah, I mean, I but get, yeah. I, I get, I mean, but Singapore is probably like a lot more edu- like you know, the proportion of educated in Singapore mm-hmm. to like the U.S. I would guess skews in Singapore's favor, maybe like with respect to tech skill, like you know, or like yeah. not necessarily tech, but just like, um, like what harder skills. Yeah, I, I mean, so I don't know. I, I I mean, I guess it depends what you mean by skilled and entering government, but. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like the U.S. like the government is a relatively large entity, and you know there yeah. are like there are people of all skill levels entering that entity. Whereas in Singapore, if you have a higher proportion of people who are like skilled in the ways you want the government to be skilled, yeah, I don't. I, I yeah, I guess you are right about like. Yeah. Maybe in the U.S. government could adopt a little bit of similar, like to incentivize more people, more smart, good people to get into politics, right? Government, right? right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess that's sort of it. Yeah. So like, we pay our officials like well, right? Like senators certainly aren't hurting. Yeah. But yeah, but they're not like getting rich, yeah. which if you tied them to the six, you know, top ten, even if it was like the tenth highest earner in private, right? Like that'd yeah. still be a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't know if we could do something exactly like that, but yeah, that's there's an argument that you know you want to pay them a lot so that they're in, you know, it's incentivizes good people, and they also are less incentivized by just you know bribes or yeah, exactly other things like that because yeah. it's like they're already making a lot. I mean, you could yeah. argue senators already should make enough to not care about bribes, but maybe not. Yeah, yeah, and that's cause that's one of the issue of like Singapore because it was in the beginning when we first started there was a lot of corruption, right? Mm-hmm. Too, so that's why he he needed to take that into under control, right? By doing that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course, besides he also needed to punish a lot of people. Anyway, we're not gonna go into that, but anyway. So right now, basically, that's what happened to the you know, economics, right? Educate, educated your force, you know, it attracts investments. You know, and then second thing is the government. Like, what happened? Like, why the government actually in the political system is very, very stable, right? So, of course, uh, so what he believed in the government is democracy doesn't work. <laughs> actually, not really. Sorry about that. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so I think Singapore is quite dem- is a parliamentary democrat uh, democracy, right? But he he it's not that he doesn't believe democracy doesn't work he doesn't believe in any form of system not any form of government right he believe in results because he believes that like, he thinks that it's like democracy communism it's, these are just theories right what what he's what he really wants is whatever works right he wants the results right he focuses on results not theory and whatever works for the government for the country for his people right because uh different country different people so you cannot just like okay. You cannot just look at like okay, what's working in the U.S. and British, British, and then just apply it to your country, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the the, set, the principle, his principle for government is results, not theory, right? So so that's why he experiment a lot. He 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 sees something. Okay, in this work in this country, can we 
adopt it and he test it, experiment with it. If it doesn't work, you know, he discard it and then take whatever works and, you know, of course, keep stay with that, right? So, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, anyway, so that's what, and that's why he, he's, people call him almost like a startup CEO, right? Very similarly, because that's what they do, right? So what was yeah. the government, you know, when he came in, how did it function? You said as, he said he ended up making it a parliamentary system? Yeah. So I think, I think since it was a British colony, I think they inherited the British, uh, British system kind of mm. thing, right? So, uh, so he's like, of course, people vote, right? So he needs he to go through elections, right? But he, remember, he stayed in power for 30 years, right? So mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people call him a authoritarian, right? Because he was staying, because of course, but every year, like not every night, like, I'm not sure how many years they do an election, but every year, of course, people, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, he always win the election anyway, right? Because people like what he, what he did and stuff like that, right? So, yeah. Does that, is that, is that your question? Well, yeah, a little bit. I guess I was going to say, like, I get the idea you're saying here, like, he didn't subscribe to, like, one ideology, but, like, just mm-hmm. did government that, you know, whatever worked. But I guess I was wondering, like, what changes he made or he pushed that he found worked, right, and helped improve, like, specific, I guess somewhat specifically, like, what changes to the government did he make? Hmm. I'm, I'm not sure not exactly what kind of, like, change so, he made. He, I think he... he he basically like getting tough on a lot of stuff, like crimes on his stuff, right? So yeah, not exactly policy, like government system. I I don't think I'm I did not really I'm not sure like what did he do on that front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he may not have changed the structure of the government. Mm-hmm. It was more just like the budget of like the budget and where like focus was like focus and resources was given. Yeah, and the policies and the principles that he used, right? So I think one thing that I think, like, for example, now he doesn't believe, like, one person, one vote thing, right? Because he doesn't believe that he, for democracy, for developing countries, you he, you cannot work. Like, for example, now he looked at, like, when he first started, right? When he, he looked at, like, adjacent countries, like Philippines, uh, Burma and Pakistan, right? Even all this stuff, like a lot of Ghana, a lot of African countries too, because they, they, they were British, some of them were British colonies, right? And they tried to do democracy right away, right? One person, one vote. And, it, and then the other thing, they always end up failing, right? Even Philippines, it was, it was the Philippines was a US colony, right? And then, of course, the only US colony, of course, you're going to adopt. U.S. democracy, right? But he failed as well. So, so that's so that's how he came up to the conclusion that okay, this democracy can that cannot work for like Asian countries, especially when they are still developing, right? So, um, of course, you have Taiwan and South Korea that works, but those are, I would say, those are more like exceptions, right? Because you have more failing failing cases, right? So, so one reason. One person. So in the beginning, like you should not do like one person, one vote, because a lot of people and like population are very uneducated, right? So in Pakistan, a lot of these like farmers, right? They have a landlord, right? This landlord actually control these like people that work for him, stuff like that, and then they're gonna 
sway these people to vote for some policy that they want to enact, right? So in Pakistan, these landlords actually try to prevent like the people from like getting educated, right? Because they want to, you know, they don't want them to be too smart, I guess, you know, to know how to vote, right? So that's one way that, so that's why in the beginning for developing country, you should not basically just do democracy right away, right? Mm. I think even right now, I think a lot of, I, I, you see in the news, like US tried to do like democratic system, implement democracy like, in like Afghanistan or stuff like that, right? So those are, like Iraq, you know, those are probably going to fail, right? So, yeah. Mm. Anyway, so that's, and then actually he talked about like, one reason he talked about like one person, one vote is that in Singapore, right? If you do one person, one vote, for example, language, right? You're going to have a national, if you want to vote for a national language, right? Because the predominantly majority of them is Chinese, right? So I think 70% of the population was like Chinese back in the day, right? So if you're going to vote for Chinese, uh, a national language is probably going to be Chinese, right? But he recognized, okay, if you want to compete in a global economy, you kind of have to do English, right? So he basically just let, instead of like passing a law, like let people vote for which language they want, he basically just tell the parents, hey, okay, you can choose whichever language you want for your kids, basically, right? And always, usually the, the children, I mean, the parents usually end up choosing like English, right? Chinese as well, but predominantly English, right? Because they know, parents know what's better, best for the kids, right? So, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Anyway, so he he's not a big fan of one one man one vote basically, and democracy. Mm. That was a main point. So that's why I did not really, I did not go into like focus on like try to examine like okay, what did he exactly policy like laws that like, he changed, right? So I was more focused on his beliefs and his principles basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but the principle of do what works is a pretty. Like, I get it, but it's pretty open-ended, right? Because yeah. the natural question is like, okay, well, what works or what worked okay. in his case? Yeah, but... yeah. okay. And maybe maybe I, I would do more research on that. Maybe I maybe that was a little bit too... Maybe I did not drive the right principle, right? Because I did this, right? So maybe the principle is wrong. So, yeah. But, I mean, it makes sense that, you know, if you say, okay, the population isn't educated, democracy is probably not going to work as well. I mean, people would argue that much of America is not educated enough to execute democracy well too right Mm. so you know it's definitely a thing i mean democracy it's robust but it's it's not obviously not perfect it's usually just tends to safeguard against like worst case stuff Mm -hmm. right is the way i would phrase it no i mean i was thinking about that like like could I mean, part of what allowed him to advance as quickly, like, or the country, I guess, to advance as quickly as it did was probably sort of a lack of democracy. But obviously Mm. that, um, you know, there's also, you know, the, you know, advancement in the wrong direction, you know, that we see in a lot of other countries. So, Mm. so, I mean, it's, it's like, if I guess it's sort of, again, sort of like do what works. Well, what works? It's like, well, if we have a, really good leader who actually does care about the country like that's you know who's making decisions that benefit the country as a whole that's like all well and good but if we don't where do we go mm. from there mm-hmm. so, so i mean yeah there are examples through history of the occasional like <laughs> good dictator or king or authoritarian right yeah like if they're doing good things 
then sometimes it goes well, but that, that, that in, usually ends with their lifetime or their rule. Right. And then it's like, what happens to the next guy? Well, democracies have like succeeded for like centuries. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's an interesting case because, because Singapore is so small, you have the ability to like make and see the pro like the effect of changes much faster. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can, you can a bit more sort of experimentally tune the policies you're using and say like, Hey, you know, it's not as big of an investment or step as it would be in some, a huge country like the U S to just make a yeah. change, see what happens in a couple of years, change it back or do more, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was his view right now. He's believed, but I think the Singapore in the end was still democracy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, parliamentary de- de- democracy, right? Because you just inherit a system from British, basically. Yeah. Well, you can have democracy with different levels of involvement too, yeah. right? Like, yeah. hypothetically, you have people elect parliamentary representatives or whatever, and then, but then they do handle all the day-to-day running, which is kind of what like the U.S. does, right? But like some states have people voting on specific ballots you know they have like ballot initiatives where they like people vote on laws directly so Mm -hmm. may i mean i don't know but maybe he'd say that's dumb don't have people vote on laws directly like you know if you elect representatives or whatever that are good then you let them make the the detailed decisions because they'll have a better view because they'll actually spend the time to like understand the issue yeah possibly yeah yeah all right but all yeah, right, so ahead. the important takeaways are invest in human capital and then uh, don't... Don't be married to an ideology. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Don't be an ideologue. Be practical. Yeah. yeah. And then the third thing I think he's... I was saying this is one of the last things about he's, he's very student of culture. He believes that culture is very... Like, actually, before I go there, what does culture mean to you guys? I mean, culture to me means things like, like the traditions of a group, right? So like the food, yeah. the music, the clothes, mm. gotcha. so the holidays, all those things of mm-hmm. like a group and a group identity. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Mike? No, I mean, I was going to say almost the same thing. Just the norms, okay. the norms established by, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Group. That's why, and in the beginning, that's why, that's similar. And that's why I thought too. No, I was reading about his, his speeches, his views. And I realized actually when he was talking about culture, he was talking about values, right? Like culture actually. So that's why, so he say, he, he look at these different people, right? Because different people like Malaysians in like Singapore and Chinese in Singapore and the Indians, they, they actually in different group of people, actually they, they, are, they have different like standings or maybe a, a contribution to society because some of them might not be as well to do. Why? He, he's really curious like why one group of people actually is better off than the other group of people doing better, right? So I think he came to a conclusion is the culture. For example, like Chinese, because Chinese culture believe in, in anything in Singapore, and I believe in acquisition of wealth as the, big, the biggest one, the biggest purpose you know, in, in life, right? Because, you know, status, you know, that's what Chinese believe in. And Malaysians, they don't really, they don't, they are more, uh, they are more like believing that like, tradition, like whatever their parent, like ancestor used to do. They want to balance, like living a good life, almost like kind of thing, like ba- living a balanced life in a way, right? Not not strive for like uh, wealth, 
right? As much as in the Chinese. So that's why I don't think that's why I think they don't end up as rich as like Chinese Singaporean, right? Mm-hmm. So and then so also Indians, of course, they had just completely different too, right? They have different culture as well. So 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 the reason he 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 want to say this is a big factor is because a lot of people believe in like this. And that's also he came to the conclusion that not everybody is equal, right? Because individually, individual humans are very different, right? Because you, I can run faster. I mean, you can, some people can run faster than the other, right? So people are not born equal, right? Because you're going to born with different individual capabilities, like physical capability, mental capability, and in the end, your contribution to the society can be very different, right? So, so and then, and the culture pay, plays a very in, in important factor as well, because culture is values, and these values drives what you do in the end, right? For example, mm-hmm. I think he's a admirer of like Japanese culture, right? So and that's one reason we need to talk about Japanese culture and like weeb so he's culture. He's the first weeb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he he tell the story of like even though he was like almost got killed by Jap- Japanese soldiers in the you know occupation, but he still he's an admirer of Japanese culture because he one time he went to Japan like he walked on the street and he saw a guy like shoes shining like shining shoes on the street for you right, mm-hmm. and then when he and then these people like these people like shoe shiners they. When they shine your shoes, they almost take it as a art form, almost a craft, right? Even mm-hmm. though they were shining shoes, they were really pay attention to the detail and everything they do. And then you almost got enough shiny shoes you he, he ever got, right? So, so even so, that's that's but that because that because that's that's what Chinese culture values, right? They value that detailed work, even though no matter how small it is, they always like. They always like take pride in it, and then they do a really, really good job, even though it's a very job that nobody cares about. But and they almost take everything small thing as a craft in a way, right? Almost turn it into an art form, almost, right? So that's that's why he's a admirer of Japanese culture, right? That, I mean, I think that's that's my impression of Japanese culture as well. Is like everything is like so meticulous, even small package of candy is like, whoa, this is beautiful, right? Like so. Whereas you compare it to Chinese culture, and that's why I always think that Chinese culture, it's kind of mess in a way, right? It's pretty messy, right? And that's why I'm a very messy person as well. I'm not very organized, but when you, anyway, so, so that's, so that's why Japanese, I think that's why Japanese actually are very successful as a population because the culture, the individual, they values like doing something small to the best you can, right? So no matter how small it is. So that's why it's, anyway, so that's, that's, why culture is a very important thing for different group of people, right? Does right. does it make sense? No, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I understand like prior, uh, like sort of prior prioritization being an important part of like a uh, culture and like yeah. you know different cultures have different priorities. Yeah. So uh, did I? So was the next what we're hearing next? Why that mattered to like the way he led or? Uh, yeah, because uh, so he. So he instead of focus on like because different culture, so that's why uh, he believed like instead of like giving, so that's why he focused on like giving people equal opportunity instead of equal results, right? Because I think a lot of the current days, like a lot of people like see like what's wrong with this world. Not everybody's equal right now, 
I see. Right? I see. So, so they want to change that by focus on changing the result, right? Instead, his point is that we should focus on we should not focus on some equal result. We should both focus on equal opportunity instead, right? Because because if you focus on equal result, because different people are gonna have different gonna do different things, and even though they don't achieve the same same level of wealth compared to the other person, right? If different maybe maybe they come from a different culture and they value different things or stuff, and right? they are motivated by different motivations, right? Sure. And so. So yeah, so he just cautioned people not to focus on equal results. You should focus on equal opportunities, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, even if, if you give different people like different results, since people are different, have different capabilities, they're gonna have different results, right? You cannot make that equal, right? So any end, right? Yeah. No, no that uh, that makes a lot of sense. That now clarifies it. Yeah, because basically any, I mean any group sort of yeah. looked at in ice like i mean obviously every group interacts with every other group in today's world but yeah i mm-hmm. mean any sort of cohesive group is going to formulate their own sort of opinions and wants and sort of like what success means to them so and if and yeah it's like as much as we would like you know to draw equal of everything from every sort of group it's you know it Mm -hmm. may be the case that the you know not every group wants equal of everything they might like certain groups may want more of a certain thing versus others so yeah makes sense Mm -hmm. cool i think that's why some people actually call him racist sometimes (laughs) but yeah anyway say that (laughs) yeah that's getting into a very modern debate over whether that's a good idea but i think a lot of people would say yeah what's important is giving you know, establishing a fair and equal opportunity for everyone is what's mm-hmm. important. Yeah. But then, then equity is like a quality of results. If I, yeah. if I th- believe, if I'm using that word right, so some people now push for equity more than equality. But yeah, yeah. And I think he, I think he, he's more like just caution people, right? Not to folks, because uh, like if you try to overlook that individual difference right a lot of people i think try to be political correct say oh everybody's equal right so if you don't say that everybody's different right you could have you could adopt like bad policies basically right Mm -hmm. to try to fix things that you might be bad for what you the stuff you try to fix basically right so he just caught he's just a caution thing that for people to pay attention to yeah Mm -hmm. Well, I will defend the U.S. a little bit. When we say, you know, all men are created equal, it's not like it's not supposed to be a literal like obviously you're equal in everything, um, mm-hmm. but it's that you're supposed to be treated as an equal by the government, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's more. I, I believe there's like you know, there there's like other writings and oh, stuff yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. like explain that more, but it's yeah. Like, because obviously re- people aren't all literally created equal. They're going to have different talents, different capabilities. And you can, there's a lot that nurture has to go into it. But like, there is at least some component of nature. Like some people are just going to be faster or smarter or pick up certain skills better. Yeah. Can you recite the first sentence on the constitution or something? Like create equal stuff, that sentence? Can you? I, I know the phrase is all men created equal. Uh, I don't know if I can recite the first sentence exactly. Because I think I thought about it too when I when I was thinking about this, right? Because I think the Constitution basically is saying all men are created. I mean, I have the same point of view, right? It's, it's not saying mm-hmm. that everybody is born equal, but it's created equal. 
in a sense that it's treated by government and society, right? But it's also mm-hmm. equal in the sense that it's pursuit of happiness, not not happiness, right? Like pursuing of the wealth, but not having the same wealth, right? So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I meant to say the Declaration of Independence, not the Constitution, oh, yeah, that's right. that all yeah. men are created equal. Yeah, but whatever. Same yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Oh. Just pretend like they're one document. <laughs> no, because I was like, isn't there something about uh, like in order to form a more perfect union in there, which is the Constitution? So, mm. but I was trying to make the connection. Yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, in American, I mean that because he was just focused on Singapore, right? In Americans, it'll be different because you all these like. Uh, the government like have been like, like the I guess the the blackout uh population have been like what do you call that like like being disadvantaged by the government the laws right for a long long time right so you have you no know, mm-hmm. you have to fix it in somehow right so yeah mm-hmm. but yeah he he was talking about Singapore not not American right so Americans Americans are a bit diff- totally different story right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's true all right. So next, cool. I think that's all I have for today. Actually, yeah. Also, few things he did, like press, like he he doesn't. Well, something he did in like, like one thing he compared like the free press, right? He doesn't believe in free press as well. So, <laughs> oh, because <laughs> because because uh, in the beginning, he's because actually this kind of get into the fake news territory, right? Because uh, as Singapore was developing, right he need to have this control of authority, right? Because if you, because a lot of news will try, like free press means that anybody can say anything. Mm-hmm. Why in this press, some, they favorite, the favorite thing they t- need to do, want to do is to attack the government, right? Whatever criticize, whatever the government did, even though sometimes it could be false, right? So it, that could be dangerous to like developing country because when they are going up, you know, people in that, it, people can be easily uh, like, Incited into violence and riots and stuff like that. And so that was happening in Singapore in the beginning, right? So that's why he was trying to do a lot of like control and his like press, right? So, yeah. So that kind of gave me a better understanding of why China is trying to do its censorship, right? Why China is so control so much stuff because he tried to, he, he has more population. Yeah. I was like, okay. So maybe they try to adopt, you know. I mean, of course, they 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 talk to uh, anyway. So yeah, I think they definitely that, aren't trying to hide anything bad in China. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think I think that was going a little bit one step too far. So anyway, so I'm gonna stop there for now. <laughs> no, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I was, you know, I was about to say uh, to summarize. I feel like this, you know, I mean, everyone's always biased when it comes to history examples. But I was gonna say this, you know, confirms my liberal beliefs as the three one of the only one of the three of us who's, uh, you know outspokenly claims to be a liberal uh, mm. i was going to be like this largely aligns with my beliefs thus you know it's proving that i'm right of course you know attacking the free speech is generally not considered a liberal value so that one goes off of the mark a little <laughs> bit but yeah no i mean i again i mean i guess again it's sort of it seems like this guy was probably pretty smart, probably had the country's best interests like in mind. And mm. basically he, he like became a short term dictator to like, you know, to like <laughs> advance them and it actually sort of worked and it yeah. often doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, but I mean, I think he did have good ideas about sort of, you know, 
being willing to experiment is probably good. And it's easier if you have a smaller sort of smaller population to work with. So that made it easier. And uh, also he had a good idea, invest in education and quality people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something he talked about is about leadership, right? He, you need to be strong, right? That's why you need, you, sometimes you need to almost like turn into people can see, view you as authoritarian, in a way, mm-hmm. right? Because you, because uh, you try, you, sometimes you do things that are not um, not popular, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think one quote that I like about him, he he said that if you want to be popular all the time, you will misgovern, right? Because if you only do what's popular, right? Do what people want, people are gonna vote. Like for example, like welfare, right? If you people can vote themselves money, right? In that in that sense, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. If you do just do what people want, you basically, you know, try to stay in power, you know, you can be discovered, right? Yeah. Oh, and maybe does. democracy really is a, a failed system after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends on the country, right? His point is that, you know, different countries, you know, maybe you you don't copy it like completely, you know, you adapt mm-hmm. it to your people because every people, that's his point, every people is different because every, every people have every different culture and they value different things, right? For example, like China, communism like maybe works in China because Chinese people actually value, they don't value, they have different values than Americans, right? Americans was try to get free freedom from the British at the back in the day. So that's why they want freedom, right? But China is different, right? They were, China in the beginning, 1950, they would try, people would just try to survive, right? So, put food on the table, right? They, they don't have time to think about, oh, freedom, uh, freedom of speech, human rights, all this kind of stuff, right? They don't have, to, we simply didn't, don't have the luxury, right? So Mike knows what I'm about to say. Not to change topics, but did communism work in China? Was there maybe some major examples of people struggling to feed themselves? Oh, in yeah, yeah, China? oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, communism did not work. Communism changed, Worked right? in the sense that people accepted it. Yeah, yeah. But worked as no. like an economic system yeah no 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 yeah That's i guess different. yeah i i guess i misspoke i, I guess the chinese yeah. government is still almost like a single party authoritarian government right i guess mm-hmm. i should say right. that yeah yeah right. well i'm not gonna talk about if china is is working or used to work <laughs> or anything else um i i'm more just like i i, I can appreciate like i mean matt is the expert here on mod like changing uh like modeling system dynamics and then understanding if they're changing but i i think like in any complex system there is going to likely be change over time and maybe in the case of singapore like in order to sort of get up and running quickly like this was like what uh uh, what's his name Uh, lee kuan yu lee kuan yu introduced yeah. Like what he introduced, like was maybe necessary over that thirty-year period to like sort of get them like to sort of a world, like on the world stage, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe as as like the country slash city evolves, like maybe a different system will, yeah, I guess, uh, be better suited for like a longer-term success, yeah, you know, or longer-term stability. <laughs> yeah. You know what's interesting on what he said about, um you know, every place is different. You know, I was thinking 
Like it's not like someone could just copy what he did and have become super successful, right? Because every yeah. country can't become a tech manufacturing and finance capital of the world, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going to have some that are the leaders in that, and then maybe some that straggle. But they're like not everyone needs to do the same thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, so like the opportunity that he like the niche that he like filled with Singapore isn't going to always exist for everyone else, right? Yeah. So right. Yeah, because then I, you know, Saudi Arabia, right? Because he has so much oil resource, right? So he can, he can take advantage of that. So you need to look at your own geography. You need to argue people values, and then also you look at like what is the advantage of the people, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, your your advantage basically. Yeah. Now that's there's a term in economics called comparative advantage. <laughs> yeah, that's right.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, the relative efficient efficiency, you know, at doing things, but. You know, for a country as huge as the U.S., it's almost a non-issue because we're going to do everything because the、mm-hmm. country is just so huge. Like, yeah, there's and there's so much diverse in both people and like land and geography that it's like we have enough space to do kind of branch into everything. But for something like Singapore, you know, that's it's it can be a lot more focused, and a lot of smaller countries will probably end up being potentially more focused and you know, yeah, their economic output, yeah. But in general,、uh, though, I think educating your people is pretty much always a ticket to doing better.、Mm-hmm. I doubt that's ever going to be a backfire. Yeah, I think focus on the human capital, right? So be inclusive、mm-hmm. to everybody. Yeah. No. All、that's、right.、It? Now I know a bit more about Singapore, which is interesting. I know there's you know job postings for people to go work there semi often in robotics, and、oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I really want to move to Singapore. You like it? It's it's very much. It's very much. You can. You probably only thing different is the population ratio is different, right? Otherwise, you see, uh, pretty much very same, right? Similar.、Mm-hmm. You might like it. Also, it's also the cleanest city in the world, probably. Right.、Mm-hmm. Cleaner than Tokyo. I think so. Now、oh, you、my. cannot spit on the. I mean, does Tokyo has a a law that ban spitting on the street? Japanese are infamously clean. We were talking about, you know, their culture earlier. Yeah, but I、true. don't know. Yeah, have well, you been to Singapore? Similar, yeah, have、What? either of y'all been to Singapore? No, I should have, but I haven't yet. Like my company started in Singapore, so when I went to China, I was gonna go there, but I didn't want to complicate stuff.、So、oh I mean, yeah. No, so. All right, I'll have to put it on my to-do list. Yeah, visit.、Uh, Jayun presented a paper in Singapore that we were. That we were on together. So、mm. nice, nice.、Oh. All right, should we get off the air? All right. All right.、Yeah. Well, we're not going to give. Had we decided what we were going to talk about next time, we could give our many listeners a preview of the next week's topic. <laughs> I think we currently have one.、Um, so yeah, I think next week we were, was I going to do sort of us versus them, like the neuroscience of tribalism, or was oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, okay that would be a good one. Very relevant in today's world. Yes. So no, and I I found some good. Like I think I'm gonna try to do like a five minute, um, you know, or like a very short, just like you know, like tight intro, and then hopefully more discussion, rather than you know, like like I felt like today was better rather than you know, like I felt like the last neuroscience topic I went too much into the science, so I'll try to keep it. High level enough where it's just like, 
that people get the idea and we mostly talk. All right. Uh, what I'm going to, I'm going to ask you right away. I'm going to ask you stuff about there. There's probably going to be the core research, right? But like, how does it apply in like modern social media? If there's any like research in like how these things carry over to these, you know, I know we've all heard of like the echo chambers that things like Twitter and Reddit and other stuff can create, but you know, how does that play into the same thing? I'm going to ask about that. So be ready. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll prep an answer for that. So. <laughs> all, all right. right. All right. So anything else from you, Shu, since this is your episode? That's pretty good. And that's all I have. All right. Well, then I will, uh, take us offline so we are no longer live Junto Club